So, good morning again. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I know I got a lot of little ones in here today, so I'm going to kind of treat this like more of a youth group session than a Sunday school session. I got some pictures right up front for you that are meant to shock you a little bit. So here's this first guy. Ooh, that is a fang-tooth fish. We should have played who it is, right? That's a fang-tooth fish. Got more. This is the Pacific Viper fish. I had to look all these up, by the way. It's not stuff you catch on the, on the Fox River or something. This next one is a lot bigger than he really looks there. This is the vampire squid. And once more, for good measure, to give us good feelings here at the end, this is the giant tube worm. Grown bunches, and they live for hundreds of years. Now, what do all those have in common? Besides that they live in the ocean. Besides that I just showed them to you this morning. Right? So they, live, they spend their entire lives in total darkness at the bottom of the ocean, in the ocean's depth. And not only in darkness, but as we're reminded once in a while, the bottom of the ocean is a tough environment that uh, humans are not designed to live in. But instead of that darkness, um, our point this morning, our point all week was we were made by the light, by the light, and we were designed to live in that light. I want to kind of go back and forth between that physical light that we see here and the light that Jesus shines in our life. So that kind of darkness that the fish live in is an alien world to us, right? That's an alien world to us, uh, an alien world that we have yet to explore completely too. But um, we think about darkness and we try to stay away from it, but sometimes we welcome darkness into our lives. Like um, if we, um, but we do it to appreciate the light. So we get into a dark movie theater so that we can better understand or better see the, the lights better, right? Ever been to a drive-in movie during the daytime? Probably not, right? It kind of defeats the whole purpose, a ridiculous thought. And then there's stargazing. I'm very much into astronomy, and there's some meteor showers coming up. And then we, when we look at the dates of the meteor shower, the first thing we look at is how bright is that moon going to be? How much light is there going to be to maybe disturb what we're trying to look on? Early in life, and maybe farther into life, we sometimes have a fear of the dark, a little bit of a, an uncomfortableness of the dark. We want a night light because that light comforts us, right? That light comforts us, puts us at ease a little bit anyways. We look for well-lit parking lots when we go on to go park places because that's nice, right? We want that light shed on us. A dimly lit parking lot can put us on edge a little bit. So if I offered you a choice of between darkness and light, we would probably all choose light, right? All week at VBS, like I said, our, our theme was shine Jesus' light. You can still see it out there in the narthex when we go out there and have some coffee. So I'd like to kind of sort of define the terms we're throwing around here because um, I know the Bible talks about those who prefer darkness, right? Prefer darkness because of their evil deeds is what it says. But that, we're not talking about actual physical darkness, right? Here, look at John 3, 19. We're going to stick in John mostly this morning. It says, and this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, right? The light came into the world. That's Christ came into the world. But people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. And that becomes our, our view of what people are doing um, when they reject Christ. When they reject Jesus, we think, well, that's darkness, right? And the light that he brought into the world, they're rejecting all that kind of thing. But the truth is, is reality. The reality is that people who are outside of Christ um, rarely um, intentionally choose that physical darkness in the physical sense. Um, because they're thinking, when we talk about the light of Christ, you know, that brightens our world and makes us who we are. Um, people who are outside of Christ think that they have found the light right? Their light source, their lighthouse that we just sang about here, right? 
there's any number of different light sources or what we would call a lighthouse or where people would hang their, their uh, shingle, so to speak. Um, many different um, religions that are more self-help, self-improvement, self-enlightenment, all focusing on self, right? Various psychological um, terms of self-development, things like that. Self-development, self-fulfillment, strategies to gain success. All of those are, are lights in life. All of those are lights in life. The lights that people try to navigate their lives to happiness or to fulfillment. So when the Apostle John says they prefer or loved or didn't recognize that, right? They preferred the darkness. They didn't recognize the light because they thought they already had light in their life. They already had things that were leading them. So what John is saying, it doesn't make sense to the, to the people um, to hear that we're talking to, um, telling them to choose light instead of darkness because in their minds they already have chosen light over darkness. They honestly feel that they've already found their light. That light to them feels familiar. It feels normal. It feels like it's, it's working. Maybe not perfectly, but show me anybody's life that's working perfectly, right? So it's working, sort of, mostly, occasionally, or um, at the very least we're acquainted with it or it's recognizable in our lives and therefore it has some comfort to it. And Jesus understood that very well. He understood that people were, people are, oftentimes looking for a source of light, but looking in the wrong places and accepting different sources of light as a replacement to who he is. Right? Usually, like I said earlier, pointing back to self. And like those fish that we saw at the beginning, right? they've adapted to that darkness. Hundreds of feet below the ocean surface, well, we do it here on the surface of the planet. Adopting to false light. So like I said, Jesus understood that very well. So when he was talking to people, he picked his spots more than when, when he said, what he said, we have to look exactly at, at what, I'm sorry, not only what he said, but when he said it. That's when we're reading the Bible. I always, I always pull things back and try to put it in context for us and say, what was going on around? Because we read these words, right, and we get them mostly, but then when we put them in the setting that these people heard these things in and, and the things that were going, around, uh, going on around them, it, it makes a lot more sense that, that Jesus impacted people a lot more, um, with a lot more effort than we did, or than we get impacted with it. So pay close attention to what Jesus says, but also remember where he says it and when he says it. He picks his spot. So we're going to look at two, um, two things this morning. We're going to look at the statement Jesus made, and we're going to look at the setting that he made it in. And I'm going to do those really quickly back together. So first, the statement, right? The statement is this, in John 8, 12, and this is one of the verses that we had in VBS this week, right? We shortened it down a little bit and just got down to the, to the nuts and bolts of it. So Jesus spoke to the people once more, key there being once more. We're going to get to that in a second. And he said, I am the light of the world, right? If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads to life. Okay, so now that's the statement. I am the light of the world. Right? Can we highlight that? I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Right? Now, what's the setting behind that? Because we can hear that, and we can kind of fill in the blanks behind it and say, okay, yeah, I get what he's saying, pretty much. But when he said it, 
had a lot more impact on the people. So here's the setting now. So that's a statement. Here's the setting. We've got to go back just a few verses into John 7. John 7, 37. It says this. Now on the last day, highlight this, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out or stood and cried out. I'm trying to follow two different things here. Cry out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So, okay. I don't have time to go into this completely, right? I'd love to do a, a mini-series on this section of John where Jesus was saying, I am, right? I am, I am the light. Uh, if anyone's thirsty, right, come and be with you. But I'm, I might circle back to this sometime because it deserves its own um, series, these statements of Christ. But suffice it to say for this setting right here and what we're talking about right here, that these two are connected and they happened at the same time. John 7.37 is not that far away from John 8.12 when you think about it, you know, chronologically. They're connected. So Jesus spoke to the crowd in 7.37, and what we saw in, in John 8.12 was that Jesus spoke to the crowd again, right? So there's two different times that he's speaking to the crowd. That's that it spoke again. So this is the first statement, and then that's the second statement. All right, here's where it gets interesting, or at least for me. I know all of this has been interesting so far, right? Okay, come on, all right. It says, the last day of the feast... This is the Feast of the Tabernacle. This is the Feast of the Tabernacle. And we'll, again, later on, we'll talk about uh, the different feasts of, of the Jewish year. I'm still trying to decide exactly how to present those and how to lay them out, and chronologically seems to be the best way to do it. But we're not going to talk about the feast completely. Again, we don't have time to go into all of that entails, but we need to at some point. Feast of the Tabernacle, though. Light, light played a significant part of this festival. Lights played a significant part of this festival. And the Jewish people waited eagerly for this to happen. I mean, this is a yearly event. They waited eagerly for the light ceremony that took place every evening of the festival. See, they had these huge what's called um, menorahs. You probably heard that around um, Hanukkah, right? That's the candle. Uh, we use these, but they had a different shaped one. looks like this, right? Seven candles in it. Had four of them. But not like this. They were massive. These things were massive. Um, they were fitted with wicks that uh, were twisted from priestly garments. So they would take priestly garments that not only, it would resemble a wick, but it looked more like a rope than a wick. Can you show a couple more of these? They filled them with olive oil, uh, but they needed a ladder to get up there. There's kind of a picture. I couldn't find one good picture of them. There's a ladder that they needed to get up to fill these things. So these things are massive. Go back to that other one for a second, because that shows a really good picture of how much light we're really talking about here. Right, there's four of these massive menorahs. Okay, and so once they lit them, some of the men, the priests, who had been pre-selected after they, after they were lit, on this last day of the festival, right, or last day of the feast, uh, they would, the priests that had been pre-selected would begin to, uh, to dance around um, with torches in their hands. So there would be more um, light going around. And this would happen all night. This would happen till dawn. This festival, this, this festival of lights, and not to be confused with the one at Hanukkah, the festival of lights would go until dawn. And other priests would be playing uh, flutes and other instruments, and there would be a party going on. So like I said, everybody looked forward to this event happening every year. So this is where Jesus is stepping in and stepping up and saying, if you think that's light, right, this earthly light, if you think that's something, wait till you see the light of the world that's coming at you. So now as this is going on, you can't really see it, but it's the steps um, to, to the left down here. Um, there's 15 steps going from the court of the Israelites going up to the court of women, where that flame is happening right now. That's the court of women. So then when the lights would start going, and the priests would start dancing around, the people would start singing, and they'd start singing psalms. 
um, this, uh, they would sing 15 psalms. There's 15 steps between uh, the, the court of the Israelites going up to the court of the women. Of court of women is what it's called. And so Psalms uh, 120 to 134, 15 psalms. If you look in your Bible, you'll see something that's going to have a title that's going to say a song with a G or a psalm of ascension. That's what those psalms are for, for this festival, for the Feast of the Tabernacle. And so there's, there's one psalm, Psalm 120 is at the bottom, Psalm 121, and they'd go up a step and they'd sing that one. And then they'd go up and they, they're pretty short, most of them, after Psalm 119, anything short. But Psalm 120, and they're singing these psalms as they ascend these stairs, these 15 steps that lead up to the court. Again, from the court of the Israelites to the court of women, where these menorahs were lit. And then, like I said, this torch dance lasted all night long. So this is the moment now, you get it, right? There's a big thing going on here, and people are waiting all year for this. They're crowding around. It'd be a crowd probably bigger than what's depicted in this picture right here. They're, they're, they're crowding into this, and they're waiting for this. This is the moment, the setting that Jesus picks to say that statement that says in John 8, 12, right? I am the light of the world. Just as they get that light show that they've been waiting for, lighting up the darkness, right? This happens at dusk, right? They're lighting up the darkness. Jesus says, that's nothing. That's not the kind of light you need. And again, I'm going to say it one more time. We have to remember that the people waited all year for that festival, for that light and that dance, the whole thing going on here. So Jesus, are you with me? Jesus wasn't calling people out of darkness. They had the light that they wanted, that the, the light that they had been waiting for. And that's the moment he picked in to say, forget about all that. Forget about the light that you're, that you're clinging to, the, the one that you're craving, Right? So he's not asking you, are you listening to me? He's not, coming, he's not asking you to come out of darkness into a light. He's asking you to exchange that light for his light. He's asking you to change the light of the physical world for the light that he's giving us in a spiritual sense. Exchanging. That's where the hiccup is. That's where the hurdle is. That's where the roadblock is. That's where the stumbling block is. People already have that light that they want and they see and they think that's the one that I need. Jesus is saying, if you think that's something, come to me and I will show you some light that you are not going to be able to believe. If we're camping outside, right, and it's dark out and you're trying to find the bathhouse, right? If I ask you if you want a flashlight, your answer is going to be based on whether or not you already have a flashlight, right? I already have a light. I don't need that light, right? It's going to be hard for me to exchange this light for that light because you don't see any need for it. But that's the hurdle that Jesus has. That's the stumbling block that we run into. You see what I'm saying? Maybe you already have a nice expensive light, right? That you're not willing to exchange for something. Or um, in reality, like I said, don't see any reason to exchange that light. So back to that setting or that verse when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? Competing lights were all around him. They wanted to worship that light. They wanted to dance around that light, those torches that are really fired up and it's really something to see. The lights that they'd been waiting for. And that's exactly how it is for us today. That's, we're in the exact same spot. You know, why do we talk about the setting that these people were in, the things that they were experiencing, the, the torches that they were smelling, the smoke coming off of that olive oil? Why do we talk about it like that? So we can relate it to where we're standing right here and how we feel. Right? Many competing lights, right? Us, that look really good, seem to be doing the job for us. Trouble with all of those so-called lights, you know, 
that focus on this world here, and mostly, like I said earlier, self-help, self-enlightenment. But that kind of light cannot drive out the darkness of this world. That kind of light cannot drive out the darkness of this world. I told you before that, you know, we, the, the theme for VBS was shine Jesus' light. Well, you can't shine something that you don't possess. Right? So the first thing we have to do is fill it up, right? And then we can shine it out. So if we're already picking some other kind of light, it's not going to do the trick. It's going to get in the way. Jesus saw those menorahs that they'd been doing since the time of Moses, 1,500 years, as a stumbling block. So we've got to forget about that and really focus on what that light in your life really looks like. One of our Bible points this week um, was when life feels dark, shine Jesus' light. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, right? It's just reflex now, right? And I asked them, okay, so the, the first part was um, when life feels dark. And I asked these people that you saw up here that are this high, I said, what does it mean when life feels dark? And I thought, I'm going to really have to explain this. If I was trying to take notes on that and all everything that they said, I wouldn't have been able to keep up. Right, Renee? I wouldn't have been able to keep up. They were good at that. When life feels dark, oh, I know what that means. I know what that means. I know what that means. Wow. So they get that part, right? And they didn't say, well, when you go into a closet and shut the door, then it's dark. No, they get it. When life feels dark, when we're sad, when we're lonely, when things aren't going the right direction, right? And when we see people in that situation, we've got to be able to shine Jesus' light into their life. But again, we can't shine something that we don't possess. Shining Jesus' light versus shining our own light. And so we had a lot of demonstrations here um, last week with VBS. And so I kind of pulled a couple of them aside and I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing something here um, Sunday morning, which one do you think I should do? And it was a, it's unanimous here. So, um, you know, there's so many of you guys. Um, maybe come up with a, in a couple of pews or kind of come up here, but go ahead and come on up. we got a few more minutes yet today. Come on up, you guys. So we talked about the difference between our light or the light that we see in this world versus the light that Jesus has in our lives. Stay on, go right down there. Have a seat. No, we're not going to sing yet. <laughs> They're like, let's rock it. <laughs> so I put this little box together. Hey, Jennifer, can we kill some of these lights up here? Okay. So I got this box here. And it's to demonstrate the difference between the light that we shine in the world versus the light that God shines in the world. I can't see what's going on up here. All right, here, I got it. Okay, so in this box is a little, little bottle, right? So this is kind of like shining our light. There's light in the bottle. It looks kind of cool, right? Can you guys see that? Give me a yes or a no. Can you see that? They're like, oh, us. Okay, good, yeah. That's kind of like our light or the light that we see in the world, the ones that I was talking about that's kind of a, a self-help, self-fulfillment, self-indulging kind of light. But that's not the light that Jesus was talking about. When he said, I want, to, want you to exchange that light for my light, what it ends up looking like is more like that. Kind of crazy. 
Can you guys see it? Get on up here. Right? The light of the world versus the light of Christ. I wonder if this one will work up here. It's nice and dark up here. So like I said, the light that, that we see, the light we like, you know, okay, that's cool. You know, we could see that on a nightstand someplace or a table. We can make a lamp out of that. Anybody have a lava lamp at home, right? But the light of Christ is completely different. It makes us different. We shine differently and make people wonder, how is that actually happening? Right? How does that happen? And, and then we, they start paying more attention to that light. They start paying more attention to who we are and what we've got to say. When we have his light inside of us, then we can shine it out for others because it just looks different. This is what Moses prayed about. Moses said, hey, just make us look different so that when we talk about you, people can understand it a little bit better just because of the way we look and the, not only the way we act. All right? So it's going back to our parents, and there's a lollipop waiting for you halfway out there, so go ahead. There's a shot clock, Maya. Just keep, keep moving. <laughs> so again, the difference between the light that Jesus has to offer, right? And the thing that we have to understand, the thing that, that the Israelites, the problem that they had, was it was an exchange of one light for a different kind of light. Right? Tell me there were enough. Okay, good. And so when we, again, put ourselves in that setting, you know, four menorahs just absolutely roaring with fire with these big rope-like wicks, so tall that the guys have to get on ladders to keep filling it up all through the night, dancing with torches. We're singing psalms as we're ascending, right, up the temple steps. We're singing songs as we're ascending. The Bible talks about how God lights our path and how God lights our way. I want to go to 2 Samuel 22:29. It says, For you are my lamp. Notice what it says there. Not a lamp. Not the lamp. No, it's, it's a possessive pronoun. You are my lamp, O Lord. And the Lord illumines my darkness. I picked that one because I'm not quite sure what that word is exactly. But illuminates, lights up. My darkness. I wish you could have heard that when I said, what does it mean when life feels dark? Fired them out faster than you could write them down. Right? That kind of light lights our darkness. It's not a self-fulfilling thing. It's not self-indulging. No, it's the light of Christ that goes in us. So I'm going to say it again. You were made by the light to live in the light. We're not meant to live in darkness like those fish we saw at the beginning. Right? Jesus said, walk in the light. He said, walk in the light before the darkness overtakes you. Walk in the light before the darkness overtakes you. He's not talking about dusk. He's not talking about midnight. He's talking about the darkness of the world that those kids know all about. So the other side of it is this. Because of Jesus... 
the darkness cannot overtake you. Because of Jesus, the darkness cannot overtake you, but you got to step into that light. you got to step away from one light and exchange it for his light and live in that light. Isn't that what we said in 1 John? I don't know if that hits you like it helped me. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, what's the point to it, right? we got to give that up and walk in his light. Step out of that light into his light. And I pray that you, if you haven't taken that step of faith, I encourage you to do it today. If you say you already have done that, like I keep saying, well, let's do it better. Let's get some improvement. I ask, always ask God to bring us that next step closer. In fact, let's pray about that. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we finish up here, move on to the table, I ask that you take us to the next step with you. Sing the Psalms of Ascension and go up the next step and go up the next step and go up the next step, getting closer to who you are getting closer and stronger in our relationship with you. So I thank you again, and I'm going to do it again and again, but I thank you for that amazing week of VBS, and I thank you for all the little ones that you brought in here and how you literally changed their lives and their hearts right in front of our very eyes. So thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our creator. Thank you for being the one that changes lives. And now, as I said, as we turn to the table, Lord, I ask that you help us to understand that it's a promise that you give us it's a promise of an understanding of who you are and what you have in store for us. It's not only the things that you've done in the past, but the things that you promised to do for us in the future. So again, thank you for bringing us in this door to spend time with you and to be in fellowship with these like-minded believers. Would you please stand with me? Not long after that feast of the tabernacle, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples celebrating the Passover feast. Halfway through the meal, Jesus took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. Again, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, the third cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. He said, do this in remembrance of me, our Father.